Welcome to Your Work, Your Way. This is the podcast where you learn to get in touch with your inner CEO with soul. Learn to take charge of your career. Learn to show up with confidence in a way that is aligned with who you really are. I'm your host, Lisa Filia, Masters in Psychology, Certified Life Coach, Expert Career Confidence Coach, and Founder of Believe C. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Your Work, Your Way podcast. And today we have a special guest. We are going to turn over for her to introduce herself in a minute, but she is a friend of mine, fellow colleague. We've worked together in the past doing some career coaching, and now she's here today to share more about perfectionism, boundaries, and how we can help move ourselves forward in those cases. So without further ado, I will turn it over so she can go ahead and introduce herself here. Hi, Lisa. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm Cassandra Powell. Um, As you said, uh, I am a mindset and goals coach, and I actually have a subscription box company called Coach Create, and I'm in the works of launching a really powerful goals and growth group coaching program. It goes through monthly monthly, um, memberships, so we focus so much on everything that you mentioned, and I can't wait to dive in further with you. Yes. And it's, it's really fun because I knew about your business before I knew about you. So it was a great moment when I realized that's you, that you, you're the one who created Coach Crate and now you're on to you, uh, even more things as well. So can't wait to continue to follow your journey as you do that. Yeah. I loved that. That was like a marketing win for me. Like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's when you know it's working. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> yes. So you work with a lot of career professionals, those in uh, business, given your your line of work here. So what do you find are some of the most common obstacles that your clients tend to have when it relates to growing their careers? Yeah, I would say a lot of the common things that I experience, um, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're growing your career, is we face a lot of imposter syndrome. We face a lot of, um, honestly, burnout and exhaustion, especially for our high performers who are really wanting to make advancements or reach a certain goal, or they have this vision of this inner potential inside. And they're like, Oh my gosh, how do I get out? Like, how do I reach that? Um, is especially with our culture and our society, the easiest way is that burnout is okay. Just work myself into the ground. And so it's a lot of mindset shifts around, um, how do I get there feeling confident, but also having that be sustainable. So I don't burn out. So those are some of the common obstacles and roadblocks that I've found. Yeah. And I see how they go together too. The, you mentioned imposter syndrome and then burnouts. I think we overcompensate to try to make up for our lack of feeling adequate by overworking to make, make the difference. But there's a point where you can only work so hard before you literally have no energy left. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that uh, that's such a great point because what that may, what you were saying makes me think that it's also this pendulum too, right? Where it's like this burnout on one side and this overwhelming procrastination, like paralyzation on the other. And we tend to swing depending on kind of the challenges that we're facing or where our imposter syndrome is at play. You know, are we trying to overcompensate and we usually swing to that burnout side or are we paralyzed with overwhelm of, I don't even know where to start 
or in that comparison trap of looking too much outside of us so that we're not like getting positive information. What are they doing that's working? But they're saying, oh my gosh, they're doing something better and I could never do that or I'm not doing that. And that kind of swings us towards the other side of that procrastination freeze zone. So it's all about finding that sweet spot. I don't know what you've experienced with that with your clients. Yeah. And you pointing that out just makes me appreciate the value of coaching so much because we often look at the behaviors as individuals. Oh, I'm procrastinating. Why am I not doing this? Well, I have other things to do. And we just look at it at that face value. But what you're really showing us here is getting to the core of, well, why are you doing that? And whether it's you're overworking or you're not working at all, it looks very different on the outside, but internally it could be coming from that same source. Mm -hmm. No, Lisa, that's so true. And when we tap into, oh, I love the way that you just lay that out because it is, it's like when we look at what we are doing, it also gives insight. What, what actions am I taking? Is it, is it helping me move towards my goal or is it helping me move towards burnout or is it just that frozen state? So it, it is, it's like, it's also looking at how are we or how are we not taking action and why, which I totally is helpful into getting insight into how to take that next step. Let's say you're on the side where you're procrastinating. What, mm-hmm. What's the next thing you would recommend to somebody? Okay, this is my favorite. I love working with procrastination. Because I think it's so, I mean, it, it's like this big, scary monster in our heads. And then when we actually start working on it, we make the monster smaller and smaller. Okay, this is embarrassing. I don't know if you ever watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but like, spoiler alert, you guys, if you haven't seen this episode by now, you need to watch it. So it's spoiler alert. But there's this one, my favorite episode, and it's like this big monster. It's so scary. And when they actually get to it, it's literally like two inches tall. And it's like a huge farce of the whole episode. It's very funny. And I absolutely just spoiled it for you. So I'm so sorry. But um, I think it, it, that's exactly how procrastination works. As soon as we start seeing it for actually what it is, it gets smaller and smaller. Yes, it's annoying, but but it's not as big as we think it is. And so what we can do to actually get acquainted with our procrastination is that deep root understanding. What is actually going on here? And we notice a couple different threads, right? We've got overwhelm that usually pops up. There's so much on our plate and we feel like we have to do it all at once. And that's not the reality of how things work. And that's usually not the reality of the situation. So from that mode, we can say, okay, how can I start to prioritize? How can I start to break this down? How can I start to focus on these small actions? And one tool that you can do with that is like a big brain dump where we put everything down and then we literally just pull out my like three key tasks for that day, right? Because I can do that. I can do three small things and then we just keep pulling, keep pulling. So it's like, is it overwhelm that's spurring the procrastination? Is it perfectionism, which I know we're going to talk about today because perfectionism is like, mm, loves procrastination. It's favorite thing, you know? Um, I'll save that until we talk more about that later. But another thing that that comes up is um, one of my favorite things and one of the tools I use a lot in coaching is like unrealistic expectations. I think that that can really, really spark procrastination because if we're sitting down ready to, um, you know, draft up a negotiation for a job that we're just applying for or whatever it might be, and we have this sense of it's got to be perfect the very first time I do it, of course we're going to put it off. I mean, cause that's, that's not, that's not realistic. If it's okay, I'm going to complete this whole email sequence in an hour. 
that's probably also not realistic. So there's something in our brain that clicks in to like protect us to say like, no, we're not going to do that. Because if we, if we try to, we're going to be disappointed because we know it's unrealistic. So something that I always coach on is when you're feeling that procrastination to a task, ask yourself like, what unrealistic expectation am I bringing to this task? And again, it just changes our relationship with how we view the procrastination. You're not doing anything wrong. You're not broken. You're fine. But there's something in there that's that's creating this resistance. Yeah. I like how you tied together the expectation with the perfectionism because I was always someone who never thought of myself as a perfectionist. Like, no, I'm not a perfectionist. I just know what high quality looks like. Mm -hmm. And so to me, it was just high expectations that I had for myself as well as for others too. Mm -hmm. But as soon as I started to say, wait a minute, what's the point of having it be at that level? What am I, what am I really getting out of this? Is that, and I started to notice how much pressure I was putting on myself and how heavy that was and how tight I felt inside it helped me to see these expectations that I have. One, they're made up. It's not like that's the way. And two, carrying them was actually hurting me a lot more than helping me. And it helped me to kind of let go of that a little bit. But so for anyone listening, if you if you hear the word perfectionist and you're like, oh no, that's not me. No, no, no. I invite you to, to just say, okay, well, why not? And And is it possible it could be? We're not here to to question your own self to make you feel small, but just to more so to help you uncover what you might not be letting yourself to see. So it could help that way. Could this be a block that I'm not, I'm not aware of yet, you know? And I think that that's exactly what you're saying of like, how, how could there be some perfectionism in my life as opposed to assuming that there's not. Because I think when we ask questions like that, it opens up doors. It opens up the the exploration process as opposed to just being like, no, I, I, there's something wrong, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> like, okay, let's start to, something doesn't feel right. Let's start exploring and pulling those threads. So I totally agree. It comes in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you pull the thread, you get, you get more realization. Like, okay, I had high expectations. Why did I have high expectations? Well, because I wanted to prove that I was okay. Well, why did I want to prove that? Well, I wanted to prove that so that people would accept me. They would see me. I wanted to be seen. I felt like I hadn't been being seen. And my way to do it was to have such high expectations that people couldn't help but to see me. But what was happening was I was losing myself in the process. So for anyone out there, if you feel like no matter what you do, it never feels enough, Maybe it's because you can never do enough for it to be enough because the actual way there isn't through the way you've been taking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love what you're saying because I think that gets to the root of a lot of perfectionism, which is um, not to get into therapy mode right now. But when we do look and, and when did this start for me is we see a lot of perfectionism being tied to it's not safe unless it's perfect. It's not safe unless everything's in my control. It's not safe unless I've covered all of my bases so that I am almost like armored. You know, I know what I've done. I know what I've done. So if any criticism, any feedback comes in, I can protect myself. Or if um, anything negative happens, then I'm willing to be like, well, but this is perfect. You, you can't, you know, it's like covering all these holes so that we can feel safe. And I think one of the strong practices if you are listening and you're like, oh my gosh, that's me, is to really start to allow yourself to feel safe 
without having everything under control, without having all the bases covered, all the things laid out. Um, and going to weird ways that like perfectionism and anxiety, you know, are tied together as we see this a lot with um, overpreparedness, you know, being the person that has to have, yeah, I've got Tylenol, I've got extra band-aids, I've got hair ties, I've got this, I've got this. Like there's a level of like, okay, cool, we're prepared for a trip to the beach. And there's a level of this is my role. I have to be perfect. I have to be always prepared in order to be useful or valuable. Okay. What you're making me think about here is it's easy for us to make perfectionist tendencies seem like it's it's bad or it's the villain here. The way you just pointed it out was helpful in the sense of it's not that it's the villain. It's more like it's the helicopter parent within each and every one of us. We are overly trying to control everything around us in order to create that, like you said, sense of safety. But we can never really have the control we think that we should be able to have. And so as soon as we can let that go, and like you said, find ways to feel safe, even in the uncertainty, Mm -hmm. that's how we can help free ourselves from that helicoptering way. Yeah, no, and I love the way that you describe that because that's that's really what it's about. It's it, it's you know usually, and of course, you all are very unique. So how this resonates for you is going to be slightly different or can be different, but it is usually within that safety or within that worth, that value. And so, exactly like you said, when we start feeling more comfortable in the uncertainty, more safe with the unknown, paired with safe with ourselves, you know, really connected to our worth, to our value, setting boundaries, um, doing things to take care of ourselves and love ourselves, then the stakes don't quite feel as high if things aren't perfect. And I think so, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Susan Jeffords. It's so funny because uh, as I'm sure you experience with this work, like things all mesh and blend together, but like her work on fear, um, feel, feel the fear, do it anywhere way. Um, my coach grade's coming out, right? All my book stuff is coming out now, but feel the fear, do it anyway. Susan Jeffers. Um, the root of this fear is that I can't handle it. You know, I can't handle things. People are very terrified. I can't handle it. What if I can't handle it? And so again, with perfectionism, when we come and we build that internal safety, build that internal wealth coming from this spot of like, I can handle anything that comes my way. Like I've got this, I'm going to be okay. And Hopefully, you know, after we do this work, it's, I'm going to be more than okay. I'm going to thrive. Like I'm going to be amazing. But even if it's just, I'm going to be okay at first, it helps us take that breath, you know? And I don't, like you're saying, I don't think it's innately bad because it gives us these indicators, just like any, anything else, just like emotions or anxiety. It gives us these indicators of, hey, something feels funky here. We need some healing. We need some nurturing. We need some extra TLC. We need to pay attention here. Yeah. And I think that, asking ourselves those questions of how are, are, are going to be how we know when it's truly a quality issue. Like, does this need more care or it's us being overzealous or overly focused? Because we can also use this focus on work to avoid the rest of life. If we feel like we don't have a sense of meaning anywhere else, then everything becomes about work. Or maybe if if it's not work for you, maybe it's the same thing applied to a relationship or a hobby. And there's nothing wrong with having passion. But if we have such myopic passion that's just focused on one thing, it can create so much of a tidal wave in one place that the rest of our life starts to fall apart. 
Yes. Yes. I was literally just working on a client with this last night and we were talking about if you're like, is this me? I don't know. I think it's a good test to run it through is like, if this were to be taken away, if you were to lose this, what would it feel like? How would you be? And for the client that I was working with, he was like, if I lost this job, like my, it feels like my life would be ruined. Like it feels like that would be it for me. And it's like, that's when we can start to check that attachment to things because I mean, we have to have a whole life, right? We are complex beings. We've got to have those, those connections. And when we have that much attachment to one thing, we know that something doesn't feel aligned. Something doesn't feel balanced. And it goes back to that worth thing, I think, for perfectionism, where it's like, it's got to be this because this is where my worth is. Without it, then I'm nothing. Yeah. The more we we attach to things so tightly, the more we kind of set ourselves up to be hurt later on because we're making so much of who we are about something that that isn't really us in the first place. Mm -hmm. No, it's not. And luckily, like since you're listening to this podcast and you hopefully listen to Lisa a lot, like doing this type of work creates that space that we focus more on the experience, right? How is this an experience I want or an experience I'm enjoying? Um, Because it's then outside of you and you are allowed to just be yourself. You know, I think with perfectionism, especially when we look at control, it's like, that's that first step in creating that space to say, what is within my control and how do I get comfortable with what's not within my control? Yeah. Yeah. That helps us to create that sense of boundary. I think another thing too, is we've talked a lot about safety and making ourselves feel safe inside. Another angle we can explore with that is how it's not safe to be overly perfectionistic because there's a lot that's not safe about it. We've talked about how that can lead to burnout. We've talked about how it can make you so attached in one area, other things fall apart. So if you can find a way to ask yourself, how could this be not safe? Is there a way that it's not safe to do the thing I think is making me safe? Mm -hmm. And when you, when you explore at all these angles, you start to see that reality itself, of course, is, is that perception of how we take it in. And so it's not to say to let go of every perception. It's to say, choose the ones that bring you more of what you're after in this life. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love the way that you frame that because it's so true. Like perfectionism one of the biggest ways that perfectionism is not safe, and again, this is one of my favorite things to coach around, is what perfectionism's relationship with failure is. Because if, oh, if you are listening to this, it means that you are driven. It means you're passionate. It means like success. Mm, give it to me. Here I go. And so if we don't have a healthy relationship with failure, you don't get there. Like failure is success in the fact that like, Tenacity plus failure equals success. Like that is it. That's the secret recipe. Like close the, close the book now. Like we know it. There it is. And if you talk to anybody who has like realized success in anything, right? Not just career, relationships, hobbies, cross country skiing. I don't know what it is, right? You reach roadblocks, you reach obstacles and you overcome them. Working out, weightlifting, it's literally tearing your muscles and rebuilding it. It is tearing a muscle, like it is breaking yourself and rebuilding. And so with perfectionism, when we don't take the risks, we don't take the steps, we don't try. When that failure equals death and our bodies and our actions and our feelings like equate to that, then we can't actually realize our greatest potential because we can never grow and learn from it. And so it's like, Perfectionism is 
growth mindset's like biggest adversary in that in that point. And I know you know with me, it's like I'm growth mindset queen over here. And it's like that is the shift is perfectionism keeps you actually from growing. Because we have to make a mistake. We have to make a misstep in order to have you know, one aspect of growth. It's not all, right? We can do well and, and learn and grow. But sometimes we see our biggest leaps in that, in that failure. Yeah, I think we can confuse ourselves and think, no, perfectionism does lead us to grow because it keeps us moving. But what I, th- I think we have to ask ourselves is, are these the movements I want to make? Are these the impact movements? Or is this just getting stuck in this little area, pushing some levers around because I'm uh, feeling insecure about taking the bigger leap that I actually want to take? Yeah. And if, if you have entrepreneurs listening, um, hopefully you all know this, like, you know, fail hard, fail quickly, fail fast, fail hard, like do have those lessons learned as quickly as you possibly can. Cause those are those big steps. Exactly what you're saying, as opposed to like, well, I learned what the perfect font is and it took me six hours. It's like, okay, cool. Well, I figured out my whole de- target demographic and the messaging that doesn't work. And now we're going to push, you know, marketing tomorrow, like testing. I don't know. Yeah. And it's the opposite of how we've been taught to think in most school systems. So you have to basically break all the rules that you've been telling yourself to follow for the past 20 years or however long in order to go to that next level. And and yes, for entrepreneurs, I find it in the career setting as well, though, up to a point, this yes, man, woman, whatever type of behavior that you have is no longer effective because your boss no longer wants somebody who just says yes or just agrees or just does the work. They want somebody who has a mind who will push back, who will say no. And that's when you've you've got to let it be okay to break those rules, to fail, to do the thing that seems maybe like it's not right, but be willing to try it anyways. Yeah. And I think even just for um, in the career career world, when we're looking to make those moves and those advancements, it also trickles down into the spot of, well, how are you upskilling? How are you increasing like your momentum and your drive? And it does take risks. Okay, yeah, maybe you spent two hours on this course that didn't fully pay off, but now you know. And how is this going to play, play into your career in a different way? How could it? You know, I think when we just change our relationship with that, instead of being like defeatist and being like, it wasn't the perfect expectation that I had or that I thought, we start asking those creative questions. How can I use this? How will this help me? What can I do with it? And again, yeah. that's more forward forward momentum than getting stuck by the perfectionism. So let's then talk a little bit about boundaries here because I feel like one of the ways out of perfectionism is helping ourselves set some boundaries for ourselves so we don't go into that perfectionistic behavior mode. So what are some steps that you would offer to people who want to set boundaries? What What is a boundary in your uh, definition of it? Yeah, I would definitely say... if you are new to boundaries and you're like, oh, this sounds fun. Give it a shot. Do a boundary audit, right? Think about all of the areas in your life where you feel like you are trying to over control. You feel like you don't have control or you feel like, um, honestly, I feel like anger is a good emotion that kind of usually indicates a boundary. So any maybe situations where you feel angry. So I would use those three things to help kind of guide you, write down everything that you can think of And then we can start looking at, okay, what boundaries do we have here? What boundaries could be needed? And um, I think with that, especially when we're looking in the workplace, I mean, boundaries are so incredibly important, but they're internal boundaries and external boundaries. Um, Ultimately, what a boundary actually is, is it's not about controlling anybody else's 
actions. Like that's not a boundary because we, we don't have that power, right? Um, a boundary is what we do, my actions. So a boundary is actually what I will do if something happens. And I'm sure like some of the perfectionists right now are like breathing a sigh of relief, right? Because that, that actually is empowering. Like we can control that. I can control what my actions are. So in the workplace, you know, if some people in the break room start talking about, uh, this is going to be so stupid. So just go with me here. Like a TV show that I'm watching that I don't want to hear, like my boundary would be to maybe leave the room, right? I can ask them to stop if they don't follow that. Then my boundary is my action of leaving. So it's like, I think that's a kind of like the most concrete action or um, description of like what we can do, how we take physical action to set this boundary. But boundaries also happen internally as far as, okay, this is something that needs to happen. I'm going to set a timer and I will only work on this project for an hour. When this timer goes off, I know for my own well-being to change the game and come back to it later with with a fresh perspective and new eyes that might not be leading to that perfectionist tendency that might say, you know what, actually, this is pretty good. I think it's ready to go through the first revision. Um, So those are a few different ways that we can start to set them. But I think that boundaries, there's so many different types. You know, there are those internal boundaries. They're the external boundaries. They're co-boundaries, ones that we create with other people. And then there are the really tough boundaries that need to be set when people are not necessarily open to cooperation or respecting us or other things that go on. Um, So I think one of the misconceptions for me, I feel like boundaries is that we think that they're all the same. It's like, this is a boundary. This is how it works. And it's like, no, no, no. There's so many different ways that we can set them. And there's so many different types of engagement that we have. But the biggest part is what you do and the actions that you take to follow through on the boundary. Yeah. It's just a thought. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we, if we don't set the boundary ahead of time, it's really not a boundary. It's a decision you're making in the moment, which is fine too. But the less decisions we have to make in the moment, the more we conserve our energy and the easier it is to to focus on what we want to be focused on. So when I think about boundaries, something that I think helps me is it's an if-then statement. The if Mm -hmm. is often about something external, but it can be about myself. But the then is always about what I'm going to do or stop doing. If you say this to me, then I will leave the room. If it's past 6 p.m., then I will shut my computer. You use it in this way to where to help yourself. If I notice my, I'm not like breathing right because I'm so focused on what I'm doing that I'm getting, I don't know, my heart's beating fast and I just can't concentrate, then I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to step away. I'm going to give myself a break. And I love that because with that language, it doesn't leave room for ambiguity. It's not, oh, well, it's, I guess it's 6.04. Wait, no, what I said though is if it's past 6 p.m., the computer goes down, right? There's no room for these what ifs. And obviously we can create exceptions and things like that for boundaries, but especially for things that we really need to hold true on, it's a decision. You know, it's not a a rough guideline. It's a decision that we've made that then we just focus on following through on. Yeah. And I love that you bring up the clearness of it because that is the freedom of a boundary. Now, sometimes what can happen is I know my, for myself and my clients, we're, we take a kind of a spiritual approach and what that can mean is, well, where's the room for intuition and boundary work? And for me, one of my main boundaries is if I get an intuitive hit, then I will listen to it. 
I will follow it. And if I'm not sure if it's intuition or just my brain trying to distract me, then I'll do what I was planning on doing and not go down that route. So it's almost like the number one boundary is a boundary to allow myself to break boundaries when, when it feels like this intuitive flow and it allows there to be room for flex there, but also some sense of stability and security. And I, I love that point because I think that when we, when you start doing this work, you know, the difference, it feels different when, when you're being guided by something that's awesome, like by this cool, amazing excitement or energy or zest for life versus driven by fear or, um, another heavy emotion that might not necessarily be guiding you in your most empowered way forward, right? It might be trying to protect you in a weird way. But I think that it's like, that's the cool part of is, is, is taking a breath and slowing down. Because usually when we operate out of that place of, oh my gosh, I'm so, I know I said I'd stop at six, but like, I'm loving this and this is so much fun. It, it will bring us good things. It will bring us good energy. And we will naturally calm down and say, okay, it is eight. I want to get to bed early. I did sacrifice my hour of bachelor or hour of survivor that I usually give myself a night, but it was okay because I feel good. I feel energized. Yeah. So I think what we're talking about here is the boundaries aren't supposed to mean that our mind or our ego runs the show. It's a way to help keep our mind in a system where it knows its part and knows what it's supposed yeah. to do so that we don't become so egoically driven or, or like our minds take over to the point where we're not looking out for ourselves. So, yeah. so it's there to look out for ourselves. And sometimes looking out for ourselves is to stop working at a certain time. And sometimes it's to say, I'm feeling really called to this project. I'm going to do that instead of what I thought I was going to do. Yeah. And one of my clients I worked with ages ago, um, she's a therapist and the way that she liked to describe boundaries was like their fences, you know? And it's like, it's not like a cement wall. It's like, it's a fence that, you know, you can go through, you have a gate key, you can open it up, you can decide. It's like, it's that flexible thing that's meant to build boundaries, but you can still get through, but you have the key. That's the point is it's not like a a two inch, you know, little tiny fence that people can just easily step over. No, there's still some there's still some guidance there, but you have that key to open up that gate and control what's going on. And I think the intentionality part is the key with boundaries. Mm, I love that visual. Yeah. You're allowed to change your mind, but is it coming from alignment of who you are, the life you want to build, what you want, or is it, you know, is it coming from something else? And I think that that's where it's like, you have to intentionally open up that gate. So how do you know when it's coming from you and what you truly want versus a sense of clinginess or desperateness or not quite aligned, but you'll do it because maybe it'll help someone? Yeah, I love this because I think for me and my coaching, obviously, the more you do it, the more you meditate, the more you gratitude journal, the more you journal, the more you just in touch you are with yourself, the easier it's going to be to navigate that. So if you, if everybody is listening hasn't tried those things, I promise you they work. <laughs> but Beyond that, I think getting really clear on what your vision for your life is, and I'm not talking even just how much money do I want. All all of that stuff is great. Like all of those concrete things are great, but like, what experiences do you want to have in life? What do you want to bring to the world? What do you want to What do you want to um, indulge in in the world and experience in the world? And paired with that is core values. 
And obviously core values, you know, kind of ebb and flow and change a bit. But right now, running it through, if adventure is really important to you, if um, creativity is really important to you, if joy is really important to you, then you run it through those tests. Me doing these things, does it help bring creativity, joy, adventure into my life or into the world? Mm, If not, then it might not be coming from this place. If it does, then great, we can continue to run it through that test of, are these experiences what I want? Does this lead me to the life that I want to live? Or does this currently build the life that I want? So again, I think it really just comes back to intentionality and taking some time to look towards the future, not in a pressured sort of way of, I have to have it all figured out, but almost like in the fun way of like, what excites me about what could be ahead? Or what excites me about now and how do I get more of that? It doesn't have to necessarily be future-oriented if you have done a great job of building the life you love already. How do we keep that going? Yeah. I think what I notice with my clients is when they struggle with not knowing what they want, then what? Mm. Mm -hmm. And so one thing that I often will tell them is if focusing on what you want creates like a blank blank mind, <laughs> like nothing comes up and then you feel really pressured that you don't know what you want and you use that against yourself, then don't ask that question. Instead, think, what do I already have that I love? Mm-hmm. Or how do I like to feel? Okay, what helps bring me those feelings? And then it'll guide you to some different things that you can start doing that you already know you like. And as you are in that state, it'll lessen some of that pressure from you because you'll be feeling good and little ideas will pop up. It's it's not like you're trying to keep a secret from yourself on purpose yeah. here, but you put so much pressure around that question because you don't want to get it wrong mm-hmm. that you stop yourself from even knowing it. And what you want will change. It's not like you know what you want and that's it for all of life. It's going to flex and flow as you evolve. You deciding what you want and declaring it to the world might even change what you want a little bit because you're a different person now that you've declared it. Yeah, absolutely. And I love it because we've made our way back to perfectionism, right? What, what, how, like, what is at stake here? What if I get it wrong? What if this is the wrong path? And I think that I know you do a lot of like spirituality and intentionality um, on this podcast. And so I think that that goes back to this greater vision that it's like, it's just a step on the path. Like you're going to be the one that decides if it's wrong, or you're going to be the one to see how it leads you to what has always been right. And that's the decision that we have to make in ourselves going into it, right? The ultimate mindset shift of, I'm not going to judge it too soon. I'm going to see where this leads me. And I think when we have perfectionism that stops us from even taking this step, this is what we're talking about, about like perfectionism being the boogeyman. It's like, it's changing our relationship with failure because perfectionism doesn't see that, doesn't see that next step. And what you want, like you said, is not only allowed to change, but it will change. But that's the excitement of life. That's the adventure of life if we choose to see it that way. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make it wrong. It actually makes it fun and exciting and thrilling. Mm -hmm. But going back to exactly what we were saying, we have to have that internal foundation of safety and worth and knowing I can handle anything that comes my way. Mm-hmm. So to have that foundation, we, we've talked about using boundaries to get there. We've talked about ways to help yourself see how you are safe. We talked about allowing yourself to fail in a way that kind of almost stepping stones you to that sense of security. 
Are there any other ideas that you're wanting to share with the listeners about ways to help create that foundation? Yeah, I think I think that recap is really helpful because boundaries are a great way of saying that. You know, by protecting your time and energy and space, it is saying I am worthy. I am worthy of being surrounded by good people, of having good things, of taking care of myself. So boundaries, I think, are very important in that. Um, the way that we look at failure, giving ourselves compassion and grace, absolutely the same thing. And again, this is where the growth mindset comes in. That that misstep, that failure is just a piece of information to help me grow forward. Exactly what you said, a stepping stone, a block to the next area. And as far as continuing to build that internal foundation, I'm going to always say therapy. You know, as a coach, my favorite clients to work, not my favorite clients, but it is my favorite when clients work with therapists at the same time, because let's figure out where this came from. Let's do that healing. Let's see what got you to where you are now. And so then with a mindset work, with the coaching work, we can move forward and say, what do we need? That means self-care in like a radical way. I'm not talking bubble baths. Yes. Face masks, all of those things. Spa retreats, great. But also the, okay, I need to really focus on this procrastination area because I'm not showing up for myself. I really need to focus on being uncomfortable with rejection because I'm not going after the jobs that I really want. And so I think that the root is our actions have to align with believing in ourselves. And that rebuilding of trust happens slowly. It happens by following through on saying, I'm going to take vitamins. So I'm going to habit stack this with brushing my teeth and perfect. Oh my gosh, you're incredible. You've been taking vitamins every day for a month. Oh my gosh, you're so great. I'm going to go work out once a month or whatever it is. It's those small, tiny, manageable steps that we do to rebuild that trust that's like, I've got my back. Yeah. And when we do that, it's, it's again, it's putting the thoughts with the action. Of course, I'm always going to say affirmations. It's a, I'm obsessed with affirmations. Um, I could have a whole other podcast about that, but like a couple different ways that you approach them, you know, really matters in, in moving you towards that goal of wanting to love and believe in yourself. Because ultimately what we want to do is we want to align the thoughts with the actions. So it has to happen both ways. We have to be saying it's okay. That was, we're learning from this. We're growing. You're enough. I can do this. I'm capable. And then we also have to be taking actions, even when it doesn't feel right. Like even when we don't want to, to prove to ourselves physically that we're also doing it. Mm-hmm. So then it's using that discomfort to mean, well, first check in say, Hey, is it uncomfortable because it's scary? Or is it uncomfortable because this is not aligned and answering that question for yourself and then using that to dictate what you do as opposed to making it be what stops you from exploring what you truly want, what you're truly after. Yeah, because all this stuff, it takes courage. Like it takes being uncomfortable. Like we're the, the most successful people around are not just like devoid of fear. They just practice that courage muscle over and over. They don't let the discomfort become stronger than the courage, become stronger than the curiosity, become stronger than the reason of why they want to do something. And that's why like going back in general, if we're asking this question of does it feel, you know, uncomfortable because it's scary, does it feel comfortable because it's not aligned? I think Lisa, like you're totally right. We we need to know why it's even important in the first place. And this makes me think of our conversation about expectations earlier. It's not that having high expectations is good or bad, right or wrong. It's is that expectation for me or is it a way I'm using it to hold it against me? Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this. Does this drive me forward? And this is the, this is a mindset reframe that I do a lot with my clients with perfectionism is like, 
perfectionism is very different than I have this standard of excellence. Because when we say I have this standard of excellence, how do we reach excellence? I usually ask my clients that. And then they say, "Mm, well, practice. I'm like, oh, and how do you practice? Like what happens when we practice? You know, oh, well, you like, are you perfect right away? They're like, no, I make mistakes. Like there's trying. (laughs) And it's like, so that's what it is. So really, if we're reaching a level of excellence, we know to get there. Like, how did Michael Jordan get there? How did Michael Phelps? I don't know why all the Michaels are coming. <laughs> in my head. I'm like trying to think of other Michael. You know, how did how did Steve Jobs got a Steve in there? Like, how did all these people who have reached a level of excellence in their life? How have they gotten there? It is through practice. It is through trying. It is, you know, what I mean, like Michael yeah. Jordan did not hit every single free throw. He did not make every single pass. He like, but you keep trying. You keep trying. That's how you reach excellence. So when we have that reframe in our mind, then it's like, okay, actually perfectionism doesn't serve me, but having a high standard of excellence does or can, but I have to invest in that process. This is making me think too, one of my least favorite emotions is boredom because imagine what it would be like if you were just naturally good at everything. Mm. That would be awful. It would be fun like for a minute. Yeah. Angry thinking about that. Uh-huh. Yeah, because then then what's the point? Why try? You know you're gonna ace it anyways. Mm-hmm. So this is the beauty, I think, of talking about failure. Like it's it's us earning our way forward. And there's something that can feel so good about that. Oh my gosh. Okay. I think that that's really interesting because I that brings up a point of how much of wanting to be good is coming from an ego standpoint. Because I'm thinking of like who would actually enjoy being good at everything that they did all the time, and I'm like, oh, somebody who's probably really invested in their, their ego would, right? Oh, look at me, I could check out. There, like I said, there definitely be advantages, but even even beyond like earning it, I think it's like I think it's actually experiencing it. And I don't know if I'm just on a kick with this right now, but it's like when we look at life as a whole, really zoom out. Like, why are we here? What's the point? I know you're like, why? Well, I was not expecting it to go this deep on this call, um, but here we are, right? But when we go to that perspective, it's like really all we have are experiences. And I think some of the interesting part is what we learn in the process. Like, I don't know if you've had this in your life, but it's like we start one path. Like I went to school for theater and then I ended up like working on commercial films, shooting in casino. Like, how did I get here? But it it was this thread that this weird thing, that this weird thing, and we pull it and it's like, now I'm coaching for seven years and I'm like freaking love what I do. Uh, would I have ever imagined myself here? No, but it's like I pulled the threads. I had the experiences. I had the failures. I had the missteps. I had all the things that like when you follow them, where can they lead? And it's like, it's not only in the process of getting better that we, that we just like upskill or learn something, but it's we, we live life. Like when we invest in processes, we actually live life. We actually live in experiences. And this makes me think about not being intentional, but not holding too tightly to what we're intending because you wanted to be doing one thing. And yet here you're doing something else that's even better for you from how it feels, but you wouldn't, you didn't even know it existed. No, it's so true. And I think that that's where like those external voices can get in our heads. Well. I should be doing this. I was on the trajectory for this. Yeah. The, the next career path would be this, but it's like, but you hate that. Why would you do that? Yeah. And this is, this is where letting ourselves flow with ourselves and having space and freedom for that can be so helpful. Mm-hmm. And so 
when you think about spirituality and bringing some of that into your work and into your coaching and into your career, is there anything you want to share that could help the listeners get more in touch with that aspect of themselves? Yeah, I think it's really everything that we've been talking about here. It's that deep breath and that faith for me that I can handle it and it's all working in my favor. Like the most powerful shifts is like I can handle whatever comes my way and it's all working out for me. And that that kind of takes that pressure off. It taps into this like the surrender piece. And the coolest thing is for me is it allows me to be curious and excited. And when I'm in that energy mode, like that's when stuff happens. That's when weird stuff happens because I'm not trying to death grip anything. I'm more focused on living than controlling everything. Oh, that's, that's so good. Okay. So you've created this incredible brand for yourself. What helped you to own that brand and where are you off to next? And how can people stay connected, work with you, find you all of that? Yeah. So, um, the brand, I mean, talk about perfectionism failure, right? Um, I think anybody doing any ventures, if you're not hearing this from people, I'll say it. It's like, there are so many failures. There's so many messed ups. There's so many things with coach great that I've had to change or I've done wrong or I've pivoted. And luckily like my community is unbelievable. Like I, in our community, I post videos of me crying and saying how much I love them all the time because they're absolutely like a remarkable community. But I think it's like, it's really just taking that chance to find your voice, put yourself out there, develop things and just try, try, try. I can't tell you how many thousands of dollars I spent on marketing because it just fell flat or how much time I spent, you know, designing a product that didn't catch, you know, all of those things. It's just like, it is really getting over the perfectionism to just put so our first for Cotrate, our very first book guide, which we have a book guide that's now beautiful. It's bound, it's professionally done, was me printing out paper and tying it with a string like tying it with a freaking string. And now it's beautifully bounded and like shiny and you can rub it on your face and it's so great. But it's like, that's the thing of, if I waited until I had that perfect mode, we would have never gotten here because it would have never happened. So in developing what you do is just like taking that risk, taking that step and, and evolving. Like that's really what it's about. Um, as far as what we're working on right now, we have a huge Coach Crate um, winter launch coming up, winter 2023. I'm launching an amazing group coaching program where we focus on goals and growth. So we take a topic like boundaries or perfectionism, and we do some exploration work while focusing on your goal and breaking it down. So if you're like, oh, I have goals, but this gets in my way or that gets in my way, we talk about it all. So you can find that um, at coachcrate.com slash goals and growth. And then of course, I have a wonderful little um, sheet for all the listeners today to kind of take everything that we talked about, have some action steps. How can I how can I use boundaries to help push through perfectionism and build that foundation? And you can find that at coachcrate.com slash belief seed. Um, and that, that's the best way to follow me on Instagram, work with uh, my friend Cassandra, TikTok. Oh yeah, I'm all up on TikTok right now. So my friend Cassandra there as well. Thank you so much. And everyone listening, those are all in the show notes. So you'll be able to easily click them and access them there. And you'll want to take advantage too of that special freebie. It will allow you to really dive in deep on what we talked about today and apply it to your own life and career as well. So anything else you'd like to add before we wrap it up today? No, thank you so much, Lisa. This has been so great. Thanks for listening to today's episode. And if you loved what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. 
I help my clients to show up and do their work their way with soul. Whether it's so you can excel in your current role or so you can figure out what you want for your next role and get that role, coaching can help you get there. It begins with a consult. Sign up for yours by going to believeseed.com slash schedule. This is your free call and it is that first step towards that new life, that transformation into you doing your work in your way with salt.